Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson, and today I'm here with Carrie Jeter. Carrie is um, a veteran. She's been in the military. She is a podcaster. She is a mom. She is going to share a lot more about her story here. We are new friends, just met through the Christian Podcasting Association. And I'm so excited to have you here, Carrie. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Hey, thanks for reaching out. It was kind of cool to see, um, you know, networking across, um, I guess, really target market audience. So that's kind of sweet um, commonality, you know, being Jesus lover. So it's really great yeah. to be here. Absolutely. So here at Have Hope Will Travel, we value getting to hear different people's stories, what brought them to where they are, and then offering a little bit of a different perspective. So I would love to hear what made you to decide to join the military. Um, yeah. So what made me decide to join the military actually was I wanted to be the hero of my own story. Um, there was a lot of life that had happened when I joined. I was 23 and I already had three children. I had been married twice, which is crazy to think about. Um, one was like a statutory rape situation and the other marriage that I was leaving was domestic violence. And so I knew that I wanted to be able to provide for my children without having to rely on um, these gentlemen who have who had caused a lot of grief in my life. And so um, I looked to getting a secure job on a base and on installation, if you will. And um, I got the job with the condition to join the guard and I said, sure, let's do it. So that's kind of how I fell into it. Um, mm -hmm. But it was right exactly where, um, if I can look back on my story, know that that's exactly the path God had wanted me to take and all of the things that I had achieved and learned and gathered along the way has put me exactly where I am today. That's awesome. What kind of confirmations did the Lord give you to show you that you were on the right path? Well, at first it was that initial stability and security. Um, and also the fact that, you know, I was an athlete in high school and whatnot. And so the army gave me the opportunity to be physically fit and a leader um, that I was really always, um, any sport I did, I always end up captain of the team. Um, I did a lot of school leadership um, things as well. And other confirmations were like I had was struggling with college. Um, I knew that I wanted to graduate college. I would been I am the first in my family to actually have a degree um, still to date. My sisters, my mom, my dad, none of them, uh, my grandparents, none of them have college degrees. And so I had was struggle busing through um, and I don't know if struggle bus is a military term, but anyway, I struggle busing through college. Mm -hmm. And one of the very first things that was confirming was that I could go to school now for free and, and obtain that dream. Sure. Um, the other thing was just the stability of medical insurance and all of those things and not having, if I didn't get child support that month, you know, not having to worry about where our next meal was going to come from. Mm -hmm. And so all of those things were very confirming. And, and then to see the growth, the ability for growth um, in the military structure was another confirmation for me that I was definitely in the right place. Mm -hmm. Was it hard being a mom and being in the army? You know, I would say yes. I always tell my kids, man, I hope I didn't make teen motherhood look so easy because um, the two of them are on the other side. I have a 21-year-old and an 18-year-old, and then I have a 15-year-old daughter still at home of the first set of kids mm -hmm. that I had. And so I was, I'm always like, man, I hope I didn't make this look so easy for you guys because it was a lot of work. Um, 
yeah, I definitely had to have a system in place and I definitely had to have somebody that I could rely on, um, like a nanny or caregiver for my kids when I traveled. And so a framework was so important, you know, all of that really, really mattered, but to, to like a, a normal day for me was like, get up before the kids get ready, get them up, shuttle them to the school bus, shuttle them down to daycare, then go to work, spend the whole day at work, do my PT and all that I had to do in that time frame, and then reverse that home. Mm-hmm. But at night it was dinner on the table every night. Cause I really believed in that. Um, and my mom, even though like there was a lot of mothering things I didn't take for her, um, sitting down at the dinner table every night was definitely one of those things that I wanted to do with my kids. And, um, but then they went to bed, you know, you do homework, your mommy and daddy, you know, discipline and nurture was crazy in its own right. But then you go to school. So, you know, I'd be up till sometimes one, two in the morning, taking care of my business to make sure we could Mm -hmm. succeed next to turn around and wake up early the next day and repeat. So, um, that was that was definitely it was definitely hard, but I mean, obviously doable. There's, I would say, probably sixty five percent of the women that are in the military are also single moms. Um, wow. I would I would venture to say it's a high number, um, but yeah, I I don't know. God just suspended time. When I look back, I really think, man, the the gift of time has always been something that you know goes so fast, or he was able to suspend it to allow mm. so much things to occur. Um, for us to succeed in that season. And so, um, yeah, it was hard, but uh, manageable, I guess. Sure. So let's talk about being a woman in the army. What was that experience like? Um, Well, I have a lot of very masculine traits when it comes to personality and character. So for me, um, and I don't know if you talk Enneagram Enneagram Mm -hmm. at all on your podcast, but I'm definitely a full charging Enneagram 8. And so, you know, I can fight back with the best of them. I can show my strength. Um, I'm very direct. I'm very assertive. And so for me, I feel like my experience was was positive and good because when things didn't go the way that they should have appropriately, like I was not one to back down and say, oh, just I'm going to take it and and do whatever you want to me because this is not my career. This is what the needs of the army are. I always challenged that and always believed that, um, you know, there was definitely a process in place for a reason. And there were there were times that um, were a little bit more hard to to insert your authority, if you will, over your own destination. Um, for instance, like when I went to officer candidate school. So for those that don't know, like I started out enlisted as a private first class. Um, and then I transferred over to what we call the dark side, which is being an officer. So when I was looking at that and was accepted to go to that school and then was completing it, literally my leadership showed up because there were three of us from that one unit who were getting, who were coming in as lieutenants into that new unit. And I had left that unit as an enlisted and I was coming back as an officer. And they were like, well, I mean, this is the day of graduation. They could say, how do you feel about deploying? And how do you feel about moving? And I was like, you sons of a gun, man, you guys are not, this is not cool. And I was so wounded though. Like, I'm like, this was y'all's plan about where I was coming back to, not my own. You know, they had approached me for this position because pilots were coming in and out of that job and there was no um stability in that job because pilots would come in they'd work for a few months they'd get a job on the flight line and they'd leave this you know human resource position 
So they approached me like, hey, would you consider coming back here as an officer and leading this section? Mm -hmm. I'm like, sure. Well, I had bought a house. I had done all the things to be like established there. Right. And um, so that was also when my divorce was getting finalized too. So I felt, you know, professionally, personally, I hit rock bottom. And, um, but that is where God found me. Like that is where I, he didn't find me. That's where I finally opened my eyes and saw him in and amongst my story. And so, I mean, it's a blessing in disguise, but in that moment, I had no control over that. And so I felt really, um, I felt really discouraged and thought maybe, well, the army wasn't going to be for me because if they're going to do this, you know, um, they could do whatever they want. And sure enough, I moved three hours away. Sure enough, I figured out a way. Sure enough, God showed up and, um, and helped me and allowed me to succeed. And so, yeah, there was, I'd say some, some challenges based on gender for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but overall, because I was really assertive and um, direct, it really helped um, in the success that I saw. Yeah. Did you ever end up being deployed? I sure did. Yeah. <laughs> I um, deployed to Kuwait. We were in the downsize from leaving Iraq and going into Kuwait to establish those Middle Eastern partnerships to really create stability and security in that area of the world. Um, but because I cross trained to go on that deployment pre-mob, which is like all the training you have to do before you're ready to actually go in country and do the job you're supposed to do to post mob, which is what you do when you come back and they make sure medical, you know, all of those things are aligned and make sure that you're good to go before you go back into civilization. It was, it was 18 months, which is a really long wow. time. And so I was in country for 10 months which is also a long time. And the army just took away that R&R, that rest and recuperation in the middle of deployments because they were making, quote unquote, them shorter, no longer a year long deployment, but nine months. And so then they got rid of that middle of the road R&R. Uh, but for somebody like me who had to go cross train and, mm -hmm. and then deploy and then come home, it didn't matter. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I did deploy. I went to Kuwait and we supported um, like United Arab Emirates, we supported Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Kuwait itself. And um, we were there for the Benghazi ordeal, mm -hmm. um, you know, with, I don't know if I could call her a criminal, but um, when Hillary was Secretary of State and when Obama was president and sitting in those meetings, because um, I had a top secret uh, security clearance, we were ready to go in and do non-combative -evac uh, evacuations. Um, in Iraq at that embassy. And then obviously uh, we know how the story ended there. Um, nobody actually went in to rescue any of the non-combatants in any of the embassies in the Middle East. Um, so yeah, it was pretty, it was, it was a, it was an experience to say the least. Um, I definitely call my walk in my deployment, my walk in the wilderness. Um, sure. For, sure, for sure. Literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. How did your kids deal with the deployment? Um, I think for the most part, they understood because uh, my exes happened to be military as well. So they understood the lifestyle a little bit. Um, for me as their mom, I don't think any of us were really quite ready for it. But we did our best to have, you know, they each had their own little iPod, um, the video ones when they first mm -hmm. came out. So we could talk across um, from my iPad to their iPods and things like mm -hmm. that. 
I set care packages to the kids, which if anybody's been around a hot minute, you know, care packages are a big deal in the military for our troops. And I was sending them home to make sure my <laughs> kids like knew, like, even though I wasn't there, I was still thinking of them. Aww. And um, I made a box for each of them to hold memories for the year. So even though we couldn't experience them together, when I got home, we could experience them and talk about their, their life and show wow. me the tangible things and I could touch their schoolwork and, mm-hmm. you know, do that normal mom stuff that you're there for every day. And um, so that those were ways that we coped. And I would say overall was success. I think my youngest child, my daughter, uh, probably had the hardest time with it. She had a different dad. She was by herself. Her brothers had each other. Uh, but she was the one who talked to me the most while I was gone on her little first grade <laughs> schedule and talking to me about her life and all of that. And so um, it was an interesting experience, but I think it definitely um, enrich our relationship on the return. That's beautiful. I'm glad to hear it was enriching of the relationship. And that was, I was getting choked up when you were talking about like the box that you guys got to go through and the experience of, of not being there, but then trying to be supportive, even from a distance. What was it like being a, or what is it like being a Christian in the army? I think that's, um, (laughs) such a, Oh my gosh, I'm trying not to laugh. Um, (laughs) That was one of the reasons I really wanted to get out. Um, Sure. You know, it's interesting because before an assembly, before a formation, before a deployment, during a retirement, during all of our meals, chaplains pray. Chaplains are very Mm -hmm. present and, and in the story and in the network of resource to ensure the welfare of the troops. And I think that is a very critical piece of the military experience, because I think it would be so much worse without chaplains. And, but what I noticed, so for my own personal story, is before Jesus was really like the focal point in and around everything, every choice I was making um, compared to when he was, so before I was like, you know, um, I would drink a whole lot. I um, would be like a part of the banter of maybe poking too much fun at an individual or potentially the end result of some like sexual harassment and stuff like that. And it just seemed like, oh, you let if you had one boyfriend in the unit, then like whatever, everyone thought you were fair game. But the moment that I became a believer and I left that unit, which I do feel like was very toxic, toxic leadership, toxic culture, very masculine. Um, we were attack helicopters. So you're, you're not only, um, in a combat arms unit, but you're also with like the elite, um, you know, these guys who think that they're poo don't stink, right? Because they are (laughs) attack Apache helicopters and, and that mindset really does manifest itself. So I left there, I found Jesus again. So like, there's, I could tell you my backstory if you're interested, but I found Jesus sure. again in my adult life for the first time, really, I think. Yeah. And the shift of how people treated me when they realized there was a change in my life, I was so isolated. I was so ignored. I was so alone, sure. um, especially on deployment. And so it is hard because, you know, a lot of people just want to do, have, have fun, I guess, or live 
live in sin. I don't know, like really what I'm trying to say, but there's definitely a distinct difference from believers and non-believers that serve. Um, mm. and so that was my experience. And then for like three years until I got out, I really contemplated getting out because I just didn't feel like my values aligned with what was really happening in the culture. And that really was shaping, okay, this is not where I want to be. This God is not in this place. Um, there's a whole lot of evil going on. There's a whole lot of deflection of the truth. And I just, it just wasn't a place for me. So when I um, got pregnant, that's why I ended up getting out. That was like the the actual, like, uh, you need to make a decision, stay in or wow. get out was because I became pregnant. And again, with child number four. And so um, when that happened, I realized, yep, okay, I hear you, God. Uh, I'm going to walk away from this because mm -hmm. you were calling me to something different. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was challenging, you know, and like I said, there's chaplains everywhere. There are, there are resources available, but I just, really don't feel like the culture of the military aligns with being a, a Christ follower. Sure. Yeah. I've, I can imagine that it would be a struggle. Obviously I've never been there, um, but I can imagine that that would be a struggle and good for you for, for pushing through it and then figuring out when it was time to walk away, because I think there's a time for both to push through and a time to decide this isn't for me anymore. Um, and then one of the beautiful things that you've done out of your time in the military is you've created a ministry, can I call it that, for women who are veterans. So tell us a little bit about the work that you do now. Yeah, I definitely do think that business is mission and you can serve and be the hands and feet of Jesus, whether you're in business or whether you're in a traditional you know, ministry. And yeah, for sure, the podcast was our flagship program and product and that definitely is sisters in service coming on and sharing their soulful stories to help others overcome heal and thrive for me personally there was this transition of getting out of uniform and processing all that had happened and and knowing that my service mattered and knowing that i could use my service in a way to continue to serve those that i love and and the country that i love and i definitely believe in but I just was struggling with what does that look like? Well, you look in mainstream media, you look all around in documentaries, in stories that you're reading, in movies that you watch, and women are presented as these damsels in distress or these broken parts or they exploit our stories or it's our fault that we were raped. I mean, there's all these things and it's like, what about the women who have survived those things? What about us who have experienced, overcome, healed, walking through the healing journey? It's not saying it's perfection, but progress. And you're on the other side of that, and you know, in the growth mindset and in that healing mindset and, and succeeding in life, even in spite of. And so that was really what catapulted this idea um, of Freedom Sisters was to share our stories in our voice, in our mm -hmm. truth, and have it be a collective thing, because it's not just my experience, but the collective experience for our sisterhood, and really cultivate that. And so the podcast was the very first thing that I did. Um, and now we have a magazine that is incredible. Um, I'm so proud of the women who are writing for me and, and how this is really helping our community. And I could just continue to see the, the process grow and the path, the doors open 
um, and the path that God continues to lead me down. It's provided crazy opportunity to pray. Prayer is a part of my business plan and I pray for women. I get on, I do monthly prayers. Um, I was asked to pray for Corporal Teu. And if you don't know that story, it's heartbreaking. It's a, a clear abuse of power in the Marine Corps. She was raped, she was retaliated against. And now she sits in the brig and she's a pretrial prisoner and they continue to treat her inhumane and less than, I mean, even taking away her Bible and things of that nature. And so we don't even, we're not even allowed to burn the Quran, but yeah, here we can restrict her from her Bible. It's just crazy. Anyway, that family reached out to do a prayer and I was just open to it. Yes. Okay. Lord, I hear you. Yes. You know, um, that's mm -hmm. kind of been my mantra. If I hear it from him, my answer is yes. And he will provide the way. And from that, I've been a, an integral part of the story to get other people to share and come in and fight for her because the Marine Corps is not fighting for her still. And so, so yeah, that's where, you know, it definitely is ministry um, because of things like that and knowing that not everybody's going to go inside of a church to hear the story of Jesus. So, you know, I throw in scripture, have some scripture of the week. Um, we definitely talk faith on every podcast. And so I'm planting the seed of God is love and what servant leadership looks like and what justice and honor really mean in the biblical context and really showing women that God has used women throughout all of creation mm -hmm. to share his love and his story. And so they are a part of that. They are grafted in and a part of that. And so a hundred percent, you know, it's a, I tell people all the time, like, it's just a part of my identity. Like I just yeah. am a Jesus follower. So you're going to get it. Even if you don't believe in the same thing, <laughs> it will be a part of the conversation. So that's a good way to put it. How did you come up with the name freedom sisters? <laughs> so um, the logo itself was actually a design that I had done. Um, for the Miss Veteran America competition for a fundraiser I had done. So the face used to be female vet, um, but I went to bed a little disheartened. Like, okay, you called me out of obedience to do X, Y, and Z. I did that. I, I, I felt like I did a really good job. I felt like when you prompted me to say scripture at these big rallies or these big conferences or these keynote speaking, I did. And I just literally, that was where that love of saying yes to the Lord, he will provide a way started happening. And so then I had, I had two more children, <laughs> um, which was like a crazy blessing in its own right. But I had two more kids and I, I left the army and I feel like, okay, what's next? And so I went to bed actually a little disheartened and this was a divine download while I was sleeping that what was next like i am really ready like i am really laying it all down like crying in the bathtub laying it all down whatever it is that you are asking me to do i am wholeheartedly willing to say yes to that and i i really think god finally knew i was ready and so i went to bed and just started having this ongoing conversation in my sleep about what is it like crying out to him, you know, even in my dream and not saying it was God directly talking to me, it could have been an angel, just could have, you know, whatever um, it was in freedomsisters.com. And I was like, well, what is that? And so I woke up in the middle of the night, reached for my phone, which I never do. And I picked it up and put it into the URL and sure enough, it was available and it blew my mind. And so it's like, okay, well, what is this? What is it gonna be? Mm -hmm. And I waited four months. I didn't act on it right away, <laughs> which maybe could question if I'm really meaning, do I mean yes when I say yes? 
But I just wanted to make sure like it was really true. It was really right for me. This was really what I was supposed to go. And I saw this, like I saw mm -hmm. Freedom Sisters immediately in my brain, in my mind with the American flag as her hair and was like, okay, yeah, this is where we want to go. And my husband gave me the money and not that we don't share money, but he would like, he sure. blessed the, he blessed the purchase yeah. and said, let's do it. And so four months later, I bought the domain and started building the uh, company from there. Wow. That's beautiful. And I love that God showed up in a dream. Like you were already interested to hear something. And then when you heard something, you'd leapt on it. Even if it took four months, like you were still willing to do it. You looked up the website from bed. What does the word freedom mean to you? Hmm. Freedom is to me, not only uh, fighting for the freedoms of America, because obviously it's multifaceted for me, but it's the real freedom of knowing who I am, knowing my identity mm -hmm. rests in Christ. And that is such a beautiful freedom. It's more than, you know, just our laws or just us living in a blessed country, but it is knowing that it's such a gift. It's not, it's not something that you can earn, but just, mm -hmm. it is such a gift of grace and of love. And it really does allow me to live boldly and freely and knowing that, you know, if, if God is for me, who can be against me? And it's just been really liberating to live life knowing that. Yeah. Amen. So one of the things that we love to know here at Have Hope Will Travel is obviously we don't have every individual story, but we get to hear stories. And it's also the opportunity to share how do we love those who have different stories well? So what does it look like for us to love our women veterans well? Hmm. I think the very first thing to love our women veterans well is to believe the stories that we tell you. Mm. That if we say we've been in combat before 2013, guess what? We were. We absolutely were. It was, it's this weird dichotomy of, you know, the American ideal of what a woman is it's the wife the mother the nurturer the stay at home you know that that's the the place for them but women are incredible beings just like our men are and that really nobody should set any restrictions on anyone of what they are capable of and so i think the very first thing that we continue to struggle is like we get overlooked because they don't believe us or we don't look like the stock photo veteran you know the sure. older white male um but like it also takes those of us around us who are part of our community, our allies to also say, you know, when a, when your husband gets recognized for his service, it's the, the man should say, oh, and my wife, like, don't forget my wife, which my husband is really, really good at. Like, it's really kind of funny because I'm not like, I don't go out there. I don't want people to be like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like, mm -hmm. no. Thank us for our service by believing in us, by doing your part to make America what it what it stands on, you know, to make America good and great and and a worthy place to live because yeah. we really are blessed. Um, mm -hmm. If you've ever been to another country, even if it's, you know, just south of the border, you know that we are blessed with the way yeah. that we live. So really, I think that's, you know, how to see us and how to um to know our story is just to believe, mm -hmm. to believe our, our truth in it. Absolutely. Where can we find you online if we want to connect, continue to connect with you? 
So freedomsisters.com is our website. So a great place. All of our socials are connected to that. I love Instagram. That is the place that if you were wanting to connect creatively to do so. And then also LinkedIn has been powerful mm. for our veteran community space, as well as getting those right businesses and nonprofits and all of that connected together. Um, you know, we are a social enterprise. And so helping us grow, you're impacting the women veteran community at large because we give back to nonprofits who are who are doing hard work in our space of healing and helping our sisters be the best that they can be beyond the uniform. And so um, those are the places you can find me. I love both of them. Um, I need to be a little more active on LinkedIn. I kind of go there for like, <laughs> not trolling, but like polling and, and getting information. And then I pop mm -hmm. off of there, but love Instagram and that's Freedom Sisters Media. Anywhere you go will be our handle. Awesome. Carrie, would you be willing to pray for us? Ooh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love that. You ready? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Father God, we just come to you in this moment and just thank you for women of valor, women of strength, women of courage, women who are trying new things. God, we just ask that wherever we go, that wherever you send us, that we know you go before us, you're beside us, and you're behind us. And in everything we do, you are the center. God, I just ask that you give the women that hear this hope and courage to know that you are a loving God and that Jesus came to pay the ultimate price so that we could walk in our fullness and know you and all of your glory. I just thank you so much for Katie and her vision and her mission. And God, just continue to bless her and guide her as she continues these conversation of hope and and the willingness of women and men who hear these stories to go out and continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus. God, I just ask for that protection from the tops of our heads to the tips of our toes for all women who serve, whether they're currently in the United States or abroad, that wherever you have set them to be, that they will fully meet the mission that you have placed them in. God, that you created all of us for a specific time and specific reason. And let us lean into that and let us lean into your word to really find how, how that is revealed in our lives. God, thank you for this opportunity to pray with your people and just thank you for your love and your forgiveness and for paying for my sins. And Jesus, we pray this in your most precious holy name. Amen. Amen. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So one final question for you, and you can interpret it in the context of the conversation we've already been having, or you can take it a totally different direction if you want. What do you wish everyone knew? I wish everyone knew that God is love mm. and that it's religion's kind of been tarnished with man, right? Like we, we aren't God, so it's tarnished. But if we could look past and beyond the, the fault, the falsies of man, and see that really at the the whole story from cover to cover, of the Bible is a story of love and, you know, drawing us closer to him. 
and that each of us fall short, but collectively we are the image of God. And so if we can be unified um, through our diversity, through each of our stories and see his love, man, I just think that we would, it would be such a much more beautiful experience. Um, and I can't wait, you know, for the other side when, when we do get to see the new heaven and the new earth of what that love, that full love really looks like. Um, because I think if we could completely grasp that in this, in this life, um, it would be a completely different experience. That's beautiful. I absolutely love that. And I can't wait for that day either. Carrie, thank you so much. I want to thank you, first of all, for your time today to be able to share your story with Have Hope Will Travel. I know that I've learned from you and I know our listeners are as well. I also want to thank you for your service and for the sacrifice that you've made both for our country and for our God um, and for the ways that you've used the hard and the beautiful experiences to help others walk through their own journeys, to support them in their own healings, in their own processes, and to be the woman that you are and the woman that God has called you to be, and to use all the multifaceted layer that is Carrie Jeter sitting here in front of me today to be able to serve the Lord and to serve the women around her, both physically and then those literally all over the world um, with common themes that she's got with that you've got with them. So thank you very much. Thanks, Katie. It's been a pleasure. As always, a big thanks for listening. June 12th is Women Veterans Day, so take a look at your life. Who are the women vets in your world that you can encourage, you can support? You can get them connected with Carrie through Freedom Sisters. Listen to their stories. Remind them that they are not alone. And most of all, thank them for their service to our country. If this podcast is helpful to you, we'd appreciate it if you shared it with a friend, leave a rating, leave a review. It's how others will find it as well. And of course, you can always subscribe at katieaxelson.com to make sure you get all the fun stuff that happens in between episodes. We'll see you again in two weeks. Know that you are loved, know that you are blessed, know that you matter. (laughs) 